Welcome into the UGA Football Live podcast. I'm your host, J.C. Shelton, in partnership with UGA Wire of the USA Today's College Wire Network. What's happening, everyone? Thanks for joining me for episode number 12 of UGA Football Live. Can't believe we're already at 12. College football always feels like it moves so much more quickly than any other sport to me. And this year especially, because we got that late September start, and now here we are, week 15 of the college football season, and Georgia football still has two conference games to play, which is totally weird, right? And possibly a bowl game, too, as long as, of course, things stay the same. Multiple postponements and cancellations each week um, due to COVID testing, so we'll see. But we are planning to play number 25, Missouri, which kicks off at noon on the SEC Network. Um, And then we have Vanderbilt coming to Athens December 19th, Championship Saturday, which should be a good distraction uh, from Alabama and Florida in the SEC Championship. Nobody wants to watch that anyway. So today I'm going to keep it easy going. I'll break down the matchup with Missouri get into some news and rumors about transfers in and around the program. Plus, I'll update my picks versus the spread and talk dogs in the NFL. So that's coming up soon. Make sure you're caught up on Georgia football. Things are moving pretty quickly with transfers, opt-outs, you know, season awards now, uh, then recruiting on top of it all, early signing period. So there's a lot to keep up with, and we talk about it all at UGAWire.com. So one-stop shop for all things dog so visit us there hit us up on twitter ig or facebook at uga football live and me i'm at j underscore shelton let's get into it so let's start with this matchup at missouri the college football rankings were updated tuesday night and georgia was moved back to number nine because of iowa state interesting so when i saw that i immediately thought Oh, we're just joking right now, right? You know, I mean, they lost to Louisiana Lafayette in the first game of the season. And then, yes, they narrowly beat Oklahoma and Texas. But we're all well aware of how overrated Oklahoma and Texas are and how just bad the Big 12 is this year. So really, to me, the committee is putting them ahead of us because of our losses to Bama and Florida and not because they're necessarily a better team. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense to me because Georgia would be favored by at least, what, 10 points on a neutral field? I'm thinking. So number nine, Georgia at number 25, Missouri. The Tigers are now ranked for the first time this season, and they deserve it if you look at their body of work this year, I think. Uh, Tigers are five and three, coming off a 50 to 48 win versus Arkansas, their third win in a row. So, you know, they lost to Bama, Florida, and surprisingly got wiped by Tennessee back when the Vols were a top 15 team in week two. That was actually the first, their last win of the season, I should say. Vols are 0 and 6 since then. But head coach Eli Drinkwitz has done a fantastic job at Missouri, I think, um, in his first season coming over from App State. You know, that that win versus Arkansas last week was, I think, the biggest fourth quarter comeback in Missouri history I read somewhere. Especially good when you look at, you know, what's happening at Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Um, When you look at Missouri, they're only come up, which is good because, you know, the SEC East is really struggling when, you know, Carolina and Tennessee aren't good. But Dog Nation knows about the Arkansas defense. They're no slouch this year, and they gave Georgia problems. So Missouri putting up 50 on the Razorbacks is interesting. Tigers are led by quarterback Connor Blazlack. SEC Freshman of the Week last week, 
and that win over Arkansas. A freshman who played really well considering, you know, what's around him. He's thrown for just over 2,000 yards on 258 attempts with five touchdowns, two interceptions, and 133 QB rating, which is very respectable. Uh, at running back, Larry Roundtree, the third, now a senior. George is used to seeing this guy in the backfield for the Tigers. I mean, he's been there for four years now. This season, he's averaging five yards per carry, has 835 yards and 11 touchdowns. On the outside, Missouri has senior receiver, and I may mess this name up, Kiki Chisholm, a big guy at 6'4", 210. He can win jump balls, and he leads the team with 26 catches for 369 yards. And on the opposite side is senior receiver Damon Hazelton. Once again, a long guy at 6'3", has 25 catches for 322 yards and a touchdown. As an offense, the Tigers are number four in the SEC, actually in front of Texas A&M, right behind Florida, averaging 434 yards per game. Nothing, nothing bad at all. Defensively, Missouri is led by star linebacker Nick Bolton, who was named a Benderic Award finalist for the best linebacker in college football recently. Um, He was actually ejected last week at Arkansas in the second half for targeting. So I may be wrong, but I believe he should miss the first half this week against UGA. But Missouri really got it from the Razorbacks last week. Arkansas quarterback Felipe Franks was out, and then Arkansas still proceeded with a backup quarterback to put up 566 yards of offense on the Tigers, which is the most Missouri has allowed since 2017. Uh, It was a really balanced game from Arkansas, who Missouri just really couldn't get off the field. They had long drives of 70 yards or more, I think, four or five times. As a defense, Missouri is rated as the number four unit in the SEC, giving up 376 yards per game. Georgia comes into this one off that off week because of the postponement of the Vanderbilt game that was supposed to be in Athens. The biggest question for the dogs, I think, is who will we see on defense, right? Star safety Richard LeCount has been out for five weeks now after that motorcycle accident, and star nose tackle Jordan Davis has been out with an elbow. I've been hearing that they both may be able to go this week, as well as Kendall Milton, who should be back soon from a knee injury, suffered against Florida. His dad, Chris, came on the show last week and seem to like his progress so far. Here's Kirby on those guys as of Tuesday. Yeah, uh, Kendall's practicing a black jersey and done really well. Um, I wouldn't say he's full speed, but I'd say he's pretty close. Um, hopefully going to be able to play. Uh, Richard's taking probably 25% of his reps uh, that he would normally take. Um, he's probably not ready. I would say he's the furthest from uh, those guys. Uh, and Jordan's look good. Um, Jordan's What Jordan's done a really good job of is being in conditioning shape. So uh, he's practiced really hard and looks good. So according to Kirby, we might not see, we probably won't see Richard LeCount. Um, but let's just hope to see Davis and Milton out there, see them guys get some action back. I think a good part of having last week off is it gives those guys, you know, more time to heal up. And really, I think we're the healthiest we've been since going to Kentucky in late October. However, we will miss senior guard Trey Hill, preseason All-SEC center, um, underwent two anthroscopic surgeries in both knees last week. Um, But we do have Warren Erickson, who played the 2019 Sugar Bowl at center and held his own and has seen plays theirs this season. So we shouldn't miss a beat, I think especially with Big Ben Cleveland at right guard playing really well there this year. So I think I think we'll be fine moving forward. But I'm wishing Trey Hill a speedy recovery. Um, got NFL draft coming up soon, so he know, he'll need to be ready for that. So surgery is probably the right move if he was having problems there. 
JT Daniels in this offense should have no problems finding holes in this Tigers defense that we talked about the Arkansas game and how they were giving up you know 566 yards they gave up 200 on the ground as well and I don't know about you but I'm feeling a big game coming from Zeus White and these dogs running backs I mean against South Carolina we got to see the run game really come alive I think and um, I don't think this one will be different we just have dudes up front and these running backs are getting their groove and with JT Daniels arm and that threat of those play action deep balls and him just spreading the ball around that threat really opens up the run game so look out for that this week Uh, of course depends on how Missouri plays us but they should take a hint from Mississippi State and drop a few in coverage or JT Daniels Karis Jackson Jermaine Burden George Pickens I mean they're going to take advantage of that if they don't the spread is Georgia minus 13 over under is 54 I like Georgia in the points here and I think the over hits and Georgia really shows its depth in this game both offensively and defensively, dogs win 41-17. Next up, I got dogs in the NFL and my picks against the spread on the way. Uh, But first, I want to talk some transfers. So if you don't know, Georgia had two receivers enter their names into the transfer portal last week, Malik Tung and Trey Blunt, both guys who have struggled for playing time over their careers. You hate to see anybody go, uh, but as far as depth chart and the receiver core, we shouldn't miss anything in the future. And actually, now this is one of the rumors I've heard. Uh, Well, a few reports actually have come out revolving around LSU tight end Eric Gilbert. So he was the number one recruit in the state of Georgia last year. Number one tight end. He's from Marietta. He recently opted out of the rest of LSU season. And then reports said that he is homesick and considering transferring back home. Obviously, this would be a huge get for Georgia. So don't be surprised if something happens there. LSU head coach Ed Orgeron said the other day that he had to re-recruit him and he was opting out, but he was planning on trying to get him back to LSU next year. So we'll see how that goes, but that's very interesting if the dogs can add a talent like that into the receiving core um, and tight ends as well. I mean, we're, we're loaded at tight end now, but you can always take a receiver like that who's, I mean, they're really a hybrid. And you look at Kyle Pitts and guys like that, um, they're not even giving Kyle Pitts a tight end grade this year or tight end awards this year because they're saying he doesn't line up tight enough. So he's just really a glorified receiver. But if, if Eric Gilbert can come in here and do something like that for Georgia, it'd be awesome. If he does come in, it may create you know more of a roster shakeup because of COVID-19, the NCAA is allowing seniors to return for another year. And you add that to the fact that many high school kids are enrolling early because they actually aren't even in school like they normally would be. Um, so football programs, to put it simply, just don't have space. Here's the breakdown of that situation from Kirby himself. The seniors that choose to come back for an extra year of eligibility don't count on the 85. Okay, so that's a bonus. Okay, you know you're working off your 85. You assume those guys are going to be gone. They've got the the flexibility to come back. That's great. That's I think that's the right thing to do. I think that's super. But now try to make decisions for your organization. Uh, mid year is a different circumstance, so everything doesn't mesh. Okay, so for us to bring in a mid year, let's say we have five mid years. That's not the case at all. But let's say we have five mid years that want to come. We have to have a spot for every one of them to come. So for every senior that elects to stay. We don't have a mid-year spot. 
So even though they won't count on the 85, we don't have a spot for them to come. So, you know, we, we, we don't really control what seniors stay, but we certainly want to give them the flexibility. But if we have more mid-years that want to come than seniors that want to leave, we have a problem. So I don't think that all the things mesh real well, especially if you're a program that has a shot at a lot of mid-years. What's different about this year? Kids aren't in high school. So why should I stay for my second semester? So we're looking at, and I don't know other schools, maybe they're the same way. We're looking at the possibility of anywhere from 14 to 20 mid-year enrollees. So let's say we have 20 mid-year enrollees that want to come. We don't have 20 spots. So, you, you, you know, but yet the seniors won't count next year, but they're eating spots right now. So it just, it just doesn't add up, doesn't make perfect sense. So it's a dilemma that we have to deal with. And you also have have programs that have uh, juniors so you don't know you know juniors they haven't declared yet but yet we're having a signing date before the juniors declare we've been saying for a while the timing is not accurate and it really causes some mismanagement and the people that suffer from that are the high school kids that uh that may be told one thing and then say well i thought you could be mid-year well maybe you can't be mid-year you know it's just a number of how many spots you got so that's definitely a serious dilemma for especially major college football programs like georgia who get multiple transfers a year and who are looking for multiple transfers a year. And even, you know, especially signing classes, what he was talking about mid-year enrollees, those guys from high school who committed, signed their letter of intent and want to get on campus early, like I said, because they're not in high school, right? So they have to have a spot for them guys. And with the rules currently how they are, you know, it's because of COVID-19, of course, but with the rules how they are, it's going to make it a serious issue for these teams um, figuring out their roster and the numbers in different situations like that moving forward. But we won't know more about that until after the season, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on for sure. Now on to dogs in the NFL, my top performing former Bulldogs from NFL Week 14 action. So let's get into these. So Lions quarterback Matt Stafford in Detroit's 34-31 win versus Chicago. Stafford went 27-42 of for 402 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Great game for old Stafford. Browns running back Nick Chubb, who is a shoe-in for our Dogs in the NFL MVP this season. Um, He's been on my list for most of the year, especially coming back from that MCL injury a few weeks ago. He just went off. In the Browns' win versus Tennessee, Chubb rushed 18 times for 80 yards and a touchdown and added 26 reception yards. Then we got 49ers tied in Charlie Warner. Big news for the rookie this week. He caught his first NFL pass. Congratulations, Charlie. Actually caught two for 33 yards in the 49ers' loss to the Bills, but great to see Warner get some love and get his first catch. Bears linebacker Roquan Smith. And Chicago's close loss to Detroit, Smith totaled nine tackles and a QB hit, is now number four in the league in tackles. Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie, the human joystick, great punt returner, kick returner for the Dogs back in the day. 2016 actually won the game against Missouri. That big, huge clutch pass from Jacob Eason in the fourth quarter, that was an awesome moment. McKenzie caught two passes for 31 yards, including a 23-yard touchdown. And last on our list, Colts linebacker Justin Houston. And the Colts win versus the Texans. Houston recorded four tackles, three sacks, a forced fumble, and a safety. I think he cost that game for Houston, too, with that fumble. But those are our dogs in the NFL for this week. If you're wondering where Swifty is, he's been out with a concussion for a couple of weeks. I think they're taking it easy with him, trying to get him back in slowly. So watch out for him. Maybe next week we'll see him back in the list.
Now on to spread versus JC. So I've been picking five games versus the spread each week to prove I know what I'm talking about. And hopefully, top ESPN's betting expert, Chris Falica, you know, the, the bear, hopefully top his record at the end of the season. I started 0-5 with the first week. That was hilarious. But I have found some inspiration in the last few weeks. And the last week was my best yet. I went 4-1 to make it 17-18 and on the season. I was trying to go 5-0 and to get back to 500. And that was the goal. And I said it on the show. But, you know, what, what makes it funny is because it was Florida who did it to me. That was my loss, Florida. I, I told myself I would never take Florida and anything. But last week, the Gators played a bad Tennessee team. I think they were, they were favored by 17 and a half. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take Florida by 17 and a half. And of course, they win by 12 and let the Vols hang around almost the whole game. So that was that was my only loss. That was disappointing. But this week, the picks are in. Number 17, UNC at number 10, Miami. Miami is minus three. Give me the Hurricanes here. I really like their QB, Derek King. If you remember the Houston transfer, transferred into Miami, has been playing really well this season. Number 11, Oklahoma at West Virginia. Oklahoma is minus 14. And just because the Sooners are the epitome of overrated, give me the Mountaineers as two-touchdown home dog. Number 22, Oklahoma State at Baylor, staying in the Big 12. OK State is minus five and a half. Give me the Cowboys there. They win by a touchdown at least. Then number 15, USC at UCLA. USC is minus two and a half. I think they cover there. Uh, they looked great last week versus Washington State. But then, you know, I really don't know who Washington State even is without Mike Leach there. So I don't know what that means. But they killed them and they look good. And their quarterback, Salvis, was pretty elite looking. So I'll take them to cover there. Navy at Army. Army is minus seven. I'm taking them, and everyone knows Army, Army, Navy games are solely based on uniforms. So whoever has the best unis will win. Navy's come out with some icy ones lately. I think they have a, a all white one. That one's really nice. Army went all black last year, I think. So it's a toss up to who's going to have the best unis. I haven't looked. It may be out, and I may be just messing myself up here. But go Army. So those are the picks. And with that, thanks everyone for listening. We've got number nine, Georgia, at number 25, Missouri, noon on the SEC Network. Make sure to follow us at UGA Wire. We'll be covering it for you. Next week, I'll be back to talk it over, and I'll also be putting together a little recruiting class preview to get you caught up on the dog's number three ranked class of 2021. Until then, be safe. Go dogs. Tyler Simmons was on sides.